0: And a good Sunday morning. My name is Susie Jones. It is cold outside. I just want to say that. Good morning. Happy to have you. Happy to have Josh at the helm this morning. Good morning, Josh. How are you? Everything okay over there? I'm good. It's cold outside. It is 26 degrees outside. That's just, like, jarring. Weren't we just, like, at 70 a couple of days ago? Not we.
1: Years. We were. We'll be back up to the 40s and 50s next week, though. Oh, well, that'll be Yeah, some, yeah. Yeah, some positivity.
0: Yes, my mother wanted me to, uh, my 92-year-old mother wanted me to help her with her yard work <laughs> yeah. yesterday, and I was like, Mom, can think, we wait? I think that was
1: on the docket for a lot of people this weekend. Yeah,
0: I was like, can I please wait? But, you know, she is a shining example of what we're going to talk about this hour. She Perfect. is uh, my mother. She is older than... I am, obviously. <laughs> She's still in her own home. She's still in good shape. And she likes to walk. She's very active. She loves to take part in church. That's a big oh, yeah. part of her life. And we talked uh, a little earlier about uh, aging. How do you age? You know, you're, How old are you? I just turned 31. And I'm 60. So the older you get, the more your body changes and you mm-hmm. know, creaks. And people automatically say, oh, I have an ache or a pain. I'm going to take a pill. And as we do get older, a lot of people have a lot of different pills that they're on for this thing or that thing. And many people, even seniors, actually don't need to be on as many medications as they are. And we are happy to have with us on our newsline, our John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, Minnesota doctor Nick Showman. He is a specialist in polyprescribing and de-prescribing or re-prescribing so that people aren't on as many medications. It happens a lot when someone will get one medication from one doctor and then another one from a specialist and so on before they have a table full of medications that can get confusing. So Dr. Nick, thanks for coming on with us. Really, really appreciate it. How are you today?
1: Very good. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's chilly. I hope you're ready for a nice run or walk this morning. Bundle up.
1: Just filled in my uh, cup of coffee up.
0: (laughs) Well, I mentioned my mother as you were listening. And, you know, she really is a blessing in that not a lot of people kind of get to 90, 93, 95 on their own, in their own home. Um, But it's something to shoot for. And I know that's what you guys do at LifeSpark, right, is to help people have independent, magnificent lives um, into their older years, right?
1: You're uh, spot on.
0: <laughs> so, w- what do you do for people? Do they come to you? How do they arrive to you, and how do you help them with their medications?
1: Well, um, should we talk about polypharmacy to start here? A yeah, what yeah,
0: yeah. Paul, yeah, polypharmacy. And let me just say before we go cuz I was talking to my mom about having you on last night and she said make sure you say the phone number because people do like to jump in and ask questions so it's 651 461 651 again Dr. Nick with likes Spark. if you have a question and you want to jump in do so but we'll start with this issue of poly prescribing is that right
1: Right uh the, the 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 three terms I guess I'd like to uh, communicate to the CCL listeners out there is uh, the terms polypharmacy, drug cascading, and deprescribing. So let's, uh, let's start off with uh, polypharmacy. There's really no strict definition in, in uh, like on a uh, health exam or something for what polypharmacy is. But in general, it just means taking more than one medication. Uh, and, in, uh, and in our profession, it generally means, you know, more than five or ten. And importantly, uh, many of those medications may be of uh, low value. Susie. In other words, uh, the risks of taking them clearly outweigh uh, the benefits. So that's that's what we mean by polypharmacy. And it has become a very common thing in uh, American medicine. How
0: do you know if you're in that situation?
1: Um, it's it's hard to know. Right. And I think uh, it's it's because people trust their doctors. Right. And uh, and these Things are done thoughtfully and often tied to guidelines uh, based on subspecialty organizations and uh, organ system thinking like uh, a cardiac specialist, a kidney doctor, pulmonary, things like that. So it's not random. These things are, are very um, done thoughtfully. and uh, But at the end of the day, our siloed healthcare system doesn't really – integrate all the different prescribers in a way that adds up to a safe plan. So, you know, I think there's probably four main reasons uh, why we see uh, polypharmacy uh, exploding in the last couple of decades. And one is that siloed organ system approach that I just uh, described. Multiple different prescribers in different subspecialties uh, where the patient is really referred around and there's not... um, it's not great integration uh, of the plan, and I don't want to be too uh critical of primary care docs because they're wonderful um, but in a fee for service kind of transactional system that we have in most of the country it's it's tough to take a medication list of ten or fifteen different drugs prescribed by maybe four or five different physicians or physician assistants or nurse practitioners and really uh make sense of it in a in a brief visit so that's uh, that's a big part of the problem uh, the second part would be uh, the tendency for Americans at least historically to really want something out of that transactional 10 or 15 minute office visit um, and and the belief that maybe there is you were stating that at the top of the hour here that the belief that there is a pill uh, for everything that's gonna fix my problems yeah. Then on the flip, on the delivery side you know People that go into healthcare uh, have uh, a tendency to want to help people, and um, there's there's a really kind of deep need to do something uh, that's in our veins, and so it, it maybe there's a tendency to want to give somebody something too when they come in, uh, and that biases the interaction a little bit. And the last thing I'll say about the root causes of polypharmacy here is that the pharmaceutical industries. Marketing techniques have been very successful. You I'll know, see. there, there I'll is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's direct-to-consumer uh, advertising in this country that uh, is not common in other parts of the world. Uh, but also, importantly, uh, physicians have been influenced um, often through illegal marketing techniques uh, over the past few decades. And probably the most egregious example of that is treating. Patients that have uh, behavioral disorders related to dementia or cognitive impairment with uh, antipsychotics. Mm. uh, It became the norm. Uh, All the companies that did these illegal marketing uh, techniques at conferences and other different methods to get into uh, physicians' mindsets, they all paid huge fines, but at the end of the day, it worked for their business plans. And uh, those medications are still the go-to drugs for people that have neuropsychiatric symptoms of the dementia.
0: six five one four six one nine two two six. that's the number to call if you have a comment or a question for Dr. Nick. We're talking about a couple of different things here this morning. We're talking about de-prescribing, drug cascading, as so many people in this country, even not just old people, but everybody, uh, seems to be getting prescribed something for something. And in some cases, obviously, as you said, they are... <laughs> Good medications, you just can, I suppose, get into some trouble if they interact differently with one another, what have you. So we're going to talk to listeners and continue our conversation with Doctor Nick right after this. It's seven twenty-one on News Talk eight three zero WCCO, and we are back. It is seven twenty-four on a Sunday morning, six five one four six one nine two two six. That's our talk and text line. If you have a comment or a question or just want to jump in and share your thoughts, I got this one just a second ago. Josh, 7 a.m., 25 degrees in Montrose, Minnesota. I believe it. Holy cow. (laughs) Makes us hearty, though. That's what I heard. Oh, yeah. We have Dr. Nick on our news line. He's with LifeSpark, and we're talking about uh, all the medications that people talk, and we want you to jump in as well if you're listening. Maybe you are taking these meds, or maybe people that love you are watching you with this. A texter writes this morning, Dr. Nick, uh, went through this scenario with our mom, she had a great provider who pared down her meds i think she has an issue now with medications is the lack of communication between providers and productive productivity models um kind of address that because a lot of us maybe it's not us but maybe we're watching our mom or dad or some loved one and look at all that medicine what can we do to help or what questions should we ask if any
1: Uh, Well I think advocate uh, for your mom or dad or yourself is uh, certainly uh, an important uh, thing Um, and I I did hear I guess in your voice there that somebody had a good a good experience with a primary care physician taking the time to pare down medications and talk about the risk benefits and that's that's really a joyful experience for uh, people caring for seniors Um, and I've seen that happen many times people on uh, less medications can function better, think better, and feel better for sure. Um, and uh, so I'm glad to hear that. But yeah, advocating for your loved ones is su- super important. Um, and one one piece of advice I would actually give the listeners is to schedule an appointment specifically around uh, looking at the risks and benefits of every medication uh, for yourself or your or your loved ones, so that the the physician can prepare and know what the visit is about, and and not just slide it in when you're in with uh, you know for a different concern or one of your routine follow-ups.
0: And a a, a primary doctor can do that for you.
1: They certainly can. Uh, it's uh, it's not something that is highly valued by our current fee-for-service system. Um, to do it well is uh, again very difficult to do in a ten or fifteen-minute office visit. Some of the value-based uh, uh, systems around the country employ pharmacists to help with that i don't see that a lot in the metro yet, but mm. I think that's uh coming our way so that they can help prepare the doctor and be a, a collaborator partner with the doctor to intelligently uh, look at the med list um, but it's uh, I think it's uh, a skill set that uh, needs uh, more training and uh, muscle building that's for sure
0: and this is you know it goes without saying i think doctor that um you should not do this on your own. You should not say, well, I think I'm just going to taper off because this is what I heard the doctor say on the radio. That is a bad, bad, bad idea.
1: Absolutely. Talk um, about you know, that. I think, yeah, these are very complex uh, decisions. Um, and people got to these, um, you know, robust uh, and deep medication lists uh, for a reason. Um, so you have to think it through because there are risks in. Stopping medications and sometimes I will stop them quickly if the situation meets the needs like there's really lots of confusion and falling and uh, low blood pressures and other things going on other times we do it very slowly and thoughtfully over you know maybe a three to six month uh, period Um, so it has to really fit the situation so I would not do that on on your own that's for sure and how you stop medications is super important too some can be just stopped cold turkey safely, and others really need to be weaned slowly or you may get into trouble.
0: And what kind of trouble? I mean, what are you talking about in some cases?
1: Oh, like, let's say, beta blockers. If you stop those quickly, you might get very tachycardic. And, What's
0: tachycardic? Uh, You're talking doctor talk. Uh,
1: sorry, <laughs> fast, fast heart rate uh, and induce some chest pain or cardiac symptoms. Uh, okay, okay. There are other medications that might cause seizures if you stop them, cold turkey. So, you know, you definitely want to have a professional involved in your deprescribing plan.
0: I wanted to ask about um, the pharmacist. So I take myself, I don't care, I'll just tell you my, because you're a doctor. Because they always ask everywhere you go, what are you on? So I have Paxil and Trazodone, two things I take regularly, uh, daily. And my question is, my pharmacist said the other day and i've been doing this for a long long time and he said well that has there could be a reaction between those two so in this case i'm telling you that but a pharmacist also has kind of a role in if they see two drugs together that doesn't don't make sense or are potentially dangerous they're saying things too is that what you're seeing as well
1: yes and i'm a big proponent of pharmacists getting involved in the uh in the game here, Um, but the way it currently stands is not optimal. I mean, pharmacists are out siloed. They're not really working very carefully with primary care providers or subspecialists. Uh, So I think we need to bring them into the team more. And and it's not that I don't value their education and training, it's you need to have the whole person context of the patient to really give expert advice. So you need to know what their prognosis is, what their personal values are. You know, are they more interested in quantity of life or quality of life? Um, you know, what what is the time to benefit for the Medicaid? There's just a lot of things that go into making these decisions that that this shouldn't just be farmed out to a pharmacist. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, It should be done in a very collaborative fashion.
0: 651-461-9226, if you have a comment or a question you want to jump in, maybe you're looking at a table full of medications right now and you want to kind of figure it out, next steps. It is 7.30. I think we're going to take a break right now, Josh, for some weather. Dr. Nick will be back with more conversation and questions from listeners. 651-461-9226. We're back after this. And we are back. It is 7.35 on this last half of this hour. Uh, We dedicate every week to health. I want to say a healthy good morning to my friends who I spent an hour and more in the woods yesterday, my dear, sweet friends. And I also want to say hi this morning to Lori, who's listening in the West Metro. Dr. Nick. Nick, and I tried to say your name, and I just thought the heck with it. I'm just going to say Dr. Nick. Is that how people come to your yeah. name?
1: <laughs> yeah. Shnaman's kind of tough, so uh, people just go with Dr. Nick. Yeah.
0: And you're a geriatrician. Is that a geriatrician?
1: That's correct. A and ger- that doesn't mean I'm just an old doctor. I mean, ah. like, I'm i an old doctor <laughs> who cares for seniors.
0: You know what? And my mom is a geriat- geriatric mm-hmm. nurse practitioner by trade. So no I, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, she was really one of the first. In, in In the 70s, she went to the University of Minnesota and became a nurse practitioner in nursing she she's a woman to behold i'll just tell you that right now dr well
1: god love her she uh, is practitioners are dear to my heart and they've filled this space that doctors have really kind of uh let well, 's become a vacuum over the years, and they are incredibly important partners in caring for seniors they really are and you know I
0: mentioned our phone number six five one four six one nine two, two six, and now that people have had a chance to listen a minute now we 're getting a lot of questions, so if you wouldn 't mind i 'm just going going to go through a couple of them and just see yeah. and see what your response is to them um this one right away and thanks for texting people because we'll get to these as we can is taking a different sleeping pill every night for example trazodone magnesium if you switch around like maybe you take a benadryl then trazodone then dopamine I, d-o-x-e-p-i-n these i hate how these things are spelled is that har- <laughs> yeah is that harmful in the long run this texter writes
1: well, uh, let's, uh, let's get out of the trenches and go back up uh, to the 10,000-foot uh, view. Okay. Uh, hon- honestly, Susie, there is not a safe sleeping pill out there for seniors. Oh. Uh, I wish there was, but anything that is going to sedate you and put you to sleep as a senior is going to raise your uh, risk for delirium, acute confusion, falls, fractures. Uh, so many, many seniors take sleeping pills um i just can't tell you that i can endorse any combination of any of them or any approach in a way that is safe i can put you to sleep but can i do that safely um honestly i don't think i can wow. um and people do take that risk um i will say this the the higher the dose obviously and the more uh pills you're taking the the bigger the risk so if you if it's really important for you to uh, have that sense of security that I slept, Mm. because not sleeping is not terribly dangerous. Uh, But if it's super important, I would look at all the other medications to make sure we can lower that drug burden so that your sleeping pill at least is less risky when it's not taken with 10 other medications throughout the day.
0: That's good advice. I know a lot of people are curious about that. 651 Let's take a call. Phyllis is calling this morning from Wisconsin. Where are you in Wisconsin, Phyllis? Star Prairie, outside oh. of New Richmond. Okay. Uh, what is your question or comment for the doctor this morning? Well, I am a pharmacist, and I know that the hospital I work at in Minneapolis, that if we see a patient with too many medications or we question... Uh, what the counter indications are. We do have a program. We just talk to the hospitalist. They put in the request and those patients are given a insurance covered uh, appointment with a pharmacist to go over all the medications and then the pharmacist speaks with their physician. All right. Thank you for that. I appreciate your jumping in with that, Phyllis. So that is good to know, Dr. Nick, that there are some stopgap measures in place in some places to jump in and catch it there.
1: Great to hear. And uh, like I said before, I think engaging pharmacists as part of the partnership is super important. Uh, the only caveat I would say is, again, it, it that consult needs to have a lot of context about You know, individual treatment targets for their blood pressure, for their diabetes, you know, what their real goals of care are uh, when it comes to taking medication. So it shouldn't be a siloed approach. And what I'm hearing from this pharmacist is there's some integration with the uh, hospital based uh, doctor. Um, I would like to see that uh, transition out to the primary care physician in the community too.
0: You talked about silo. I kind of want to follow up with that because we've got more people on the phone and more questions, and I promise I'll get to them. But is there a way to force the unsiloing of things, or is there some benefit to keeping it siloed? What's the motivation on on things being in a silo, and how hard would it be to open the doors and have everybody talk
1: to each other? We could do a couple hours on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, Sorry. the system is siloed because we, we don't really value an integrated uh, whole person you know, value based approach. I mean, physicians and hospital systems are still hooked on the fee for service transactional healthcare system. And um, it's, it's very tough to cut through that. And so I think that's, that's really a policy decision. I will say this we've got some uh, nonprofit health plans in the Twin Cities here. Uh, and if you don't mind me mentioning them, UCare, Blue Cross, Medica, that uh, they're they're aware of this, and mm-hmm. they are trying to help uh, providers like myself and other uh, m- uh, health professionals on the delivery side migrate towards a value-based uh, system where you know all this integration and and a medication review would be valued, yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah. Uh,
1: in the new system, and so people could really take. 45 minutes and sit down with families and go through the indication and efficacy and safety uh, and risks of all their medications. So six, five, um, I think we're, we're going to get there.
0: All right, good. Six five one, four, six, one nine, two, two, six. Let's take Lewis. Lewis is calling from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Good morning. You're on the air with the doctor. Good
1: morning, Dr. Nick. I take over the counter vitamin D supplement. It says on the bottle of it. The- Expires October twenty three. They will last until about February. I'm wondering if I should get a new bottle. Oh. Uh, if they lose potency after October.
0: Thanks for the Thank call. You. Yeah, thanks for calling. That's a. I think people tend to ask that. I mean, exp-
1: I'll let you answer. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, was <laughs> well, a little out of my wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm not yeah. A pharmacist, uh, but uh, vitamin D can uh, uh, the the evidence on whether it helps people is uh, somewhat controversial, but it's. Uh, and you can take too much of it, but generally it's a safe thing to do and might help with uh, muscle and bone uh, metabolism. Um, I'm not an expert on expiration dates. I don't know how well that's studied. I will say this about over-the-counter uh, health food products. They are not uh, tightly regulated by the FDA, so it's really difficult for uh, for physicians to give uh, advice about things like St. John's wort or melatonin or even some of the vitamins out there because it's it's not the same as uh, FDA approved medications i don't know yeah so our confidence is a little lower
0: yeah and someone else asked that a bit earlier about you know can these things become you know expired and not they asked about taking um supplements and what did you think of what is your opinion they say on supplements magnesium calcium fish oil b complex i know you said that's not your wheelhouse so um yeah but that's and and there's
1: been a little bit more evidence uh to, you know, help us give some advice on some of these things, like fish oil has really fallen out of favor. A lot of folks still take it, but uh, the cardiologists were really hot on it, Uh, and most of that that data was uh, related to some population health studies, but at any rate, let's uh, let's move on. Sure, sure. I would, li- I would like to talk about drug cascading a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, let's time, do Susie. that. Yeah,
0: let's do that. And um, let's do, because it actually goes with this question. What are common medications that are prescribed and not often removed from one person's list, even though they might not be necessary? Is that, let's talk about what is cascading.
1: So drug cascading is a, uh, I think, a good term for the listeners to take away from this talk. And what it refers to is Dr. A., uh, seeing you for some complaint uh, or well check up and uh, un- uncover something and uh, prescribes a medication, which causes a side effect. Then Dr. A themselves on the next visit or a different doctor in the other silo uh, sees the side effect and prescribes a new pill to treat that side effect. So a really good example would be, let's say we've got an 85 year old uh, woman with mild memory uh, problems, uh, living alone uh, with very few health problems. So she's successful out there in the, community and she's found to have a little high blood pressure at uh, her checkup the doctor starts a drug called amlodipine which has got good evidence to prevent heart attack and stroke Uh, it's a right choice but it does cause swelling uh, in in the ankles and uh, after being on it her blood pressure comes down but she comes back in with ankle edema or swelling and uh, the doctor's worried and sends her to the cardiologist who works her up and says the heart looks pretty good but you might have a little bit of heart failure we're going to put you on a water pill to treat that swelling in your ankles. Well, that works. It, it lowers her, her swelling in her ankles, but her blood pressure comes down a little bit, and she gets incontinent from having to go to the bathroom all the time from the water pill. So she goes to see the urologist and then starts the medication to stop her bladder from contracting, uh, and uh, that medication, oxybutynin, uh, makes her confused, and uh, she's actually even a little delusional now uh, and thinks her son's stealing her money. Uh, and that worries everybody, and she's weak. She gets sent to the hospital and, uh, and is very confused, and they give her an antipsychotic, uh, Seroquel, which she to to treat her psychosis. So in, in a period of maybe six months here, she's gone from no medications to four different drugs and, uh, and is a mess and never gets back home. That may sound a little hysterical, but trust me that is happening every day in our community and nobody's getting out of bed in the morning trying to harm this woman. Uh, but, but we're all participating in it.
0: Wow. That that's, was... <laughs>
1: that's, dr- that's, dr- that's drug cascading.
0: That is amazing. I mean, just the way you told him like, Holy cow, but that's common, I suppose. So how do you decat? you know, deep, you know, you're talking about deep prescribing. So, I mean, it's, What's the process by which you look at someone and say, okay, let's take a look at this, and what can we and what can't we do? And you know what? It is 746, and we have to take our last break of this hour. So we're going to answer that question, and we're also going to take any more questions and comments at 651 We're back right after this. And we are back with the last segment of the big show. It is... The Health Hour, we should come up with a better name. Don't you think, Josh, like a more snazzy name? What do you think? I'm game for it, whatever you can think of. Well, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now on a Sunday morning. I know, (laughs) Health Hour. Well, we'll figure that out. We've only been on an hour. I mean, we've only been on a year. We have Dr. Nick on our news line for the last segment of the show. Nick, Dr. Nick, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, So many great texts and calls today. A lot of people like to ask about those supplements, and we'll just have to ask them that, you know, maybe a— A different doctor can talk sometime about supplements. But as we wrap up the last like seven minutes here, are there thoughts that you wanted to make sure that you got out? I mean, if someone's listening right now and they're looking at a table or they have their parents that have too many medications on a table, you know, what's your message to someone listening as they as they go about their day today?
1: Um, well, yeah, I'd like to maybe send out that word de-prescribing uh, to folks who might be worried about their medication list. It's a new terminology. It hasn't been in healthcare jargon for uh, for decades, uh, and, and probably there are physicians out there who still don't, don't know what it means. And it really means uh, having a process to, um, in an expert fashion, uh, evaluate a medication list that typically results in a lower medication burden, um, and, and definitely can refocus on what medications are really of high value, and which ones are not that important. Uh, I'd like to see that term actually maybe migrate to uh, a new term that I call re-prescribing, where you rethink the whole list. And it does involve reducing, removing, and replacing medications, but occasionally, resuming or starting some medications that are very important. A good example would be people who take blood thinners to prevent strokes. They're super important medications uh, and they do get stopped often out there uh, because of concerns of falling uh, and and bleeding risks. Um, and, and instead of stopping the anticoagulant, which I see happening a lot and people are doing it with good intention because mom's falling over, um, how about stopping some of the other medications that might be making her fall, and and then we can look at that risk benefit of the anticoagulation in a, in a different way and and uh, and get her back on it to help prevent that that uh, stroke that might be coming on. So so I think re-prescribing and really rethinking that whole medication list is super important. Um, it it may be frustrating for the consumers out there to find a doc with the time to do it, but I would be intentional again about. Uh, trying to find somebody uh, and giving them the time uh, to, to look through your list. And the training uh, is, is still lacking. So I think we need our academic institutions out there, and the medical schools, the training programs to start really thinking about how to teach our prescribers uh, not to just what to prescribe but how to unwind some of these lists. And I don't think there's a class in medical school yet on this, but there, there should be and will be soon.
0: Text writes at six five one four six one nine two two six it ha- it helps my heart to hear the doctor's explanation about the cascading of meds. It sounds exactly like what happened with my mother in the last couple of years of her life um before she passed away at ninety. Her occasion of not trusting us were continually blamed on dementia and they said just, it got worse and worse. And to hear you talk about this has been very helpful to understand maybe what was going on with her, because I do think is the benefit of re-prescribing that maybe even your loved one will feel better, will have a little more energy, you know, I mean, talk about the benefits of re-prescribing.
1: Oh, it's, it's joyful to see people function, think and feel better. Um, and it's commonplace to do it. You just uh, it's complicated to get it right, but um, and, and taking the medication list from 10 or 15 drugs down to zero is the wrong thing to do, uh, but getting it down to the three or four medications that are of high value is commonly associated with improved function and, uh, and much better quality of life, and I think also Improved mortality
0: yeah right and so if someone that you love i mean do you just say hey mom hey dad you know how many let's can we take a look at your situation you know are they do you find that patients would be reluctant to that or how would you be their advocate
1: uh i'm not sure quite where to go with Uh, that Um, i mean
0: you know what i mean it's 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 almost a you know you have to broach the topic if you're worried about your loved one taking too many meds and they're not yeah, responsive. You, you, That's kind you of gotta
1: get, you, you've got to get you've got to get some doctor's attention. Yeah, and the, and the right doctor is a primary care provider. Okay, and you know our uh, God love them. I mean, I did it for 13 years, but this is a difficult thing to do. So again, carve time out, uh, ask them to put some thought into it before the visit, and I, I think the results uh, could be could be optimal.
0: So anybody listening, you can ask your own primary care doctor and say, I heard a program on WCCO talking about prescribing and deprescribing and re-prescribing. What can we do? Can we set an appointment up to look at what I'm taking?
1: Yes, Okay. for sure. And, um, you know, and the, again, the, the, the training might not be there. Um, I, I have a lot of friends that are primary care physicians and uh most of them could do this you know i think but but that it's an unusual appointment on their schedule all right listen come in and want that done
0: yeah listen we're out of time but thank you so much i know you work with life Life spark l-i-f-s-p-a-r-k and you can answer those questions there at life spark as well i assume
1: I certainly can.
0: All right, Lifespark.com. If you have more questions, it is Dr. Nick with us on News Talk 830. WCCO, make it a great day.